Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert, we're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Kevin, what did we watch? We watched an episode of the 1970s detective series, uh, Barnaby Jones, it's... starring one. Uh, I'm talking at the pace of the episode, starring Buddy Epson. This is the show that dares to ask the blistering question what if the main detective of a detective show was really old? <laughs> 
And he's not even super old That's in terms show, of folks. his biological age, but he sure acts. Everything is languidly paced. He's only 65. Let's just say that. He's only 65. That's not... That's not old. That's not super old. You know, people are do people are active. People are doing things. They're having adventures in their sixties. You would think, based on what he's doing in this episode, that he was in his like late eighties. And and the show, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're getting here, way ahead of ourselves. But I just want to make the point that the show makes Murder She Wrote seem like an episode of Twenty Four. Murder She Wrote is also awesome, full of quirky characters. This just feels like the people you meet, like in the waiting room at the dentist's office or something. <laughs> you had to solve a mystery involving all of them. You know, <laughs> like everyone's kind of humdum and boring. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're moving too fast for this episode. Yes. It was very, very slowly paced. And I, I guess we'll get to that as we talk. Uh, do you start us off? We, we watched the episode called Fatal Flight which is an episode from uh, the second season, I believe. And you go on IMDb, people seem to really like this episode. So it's not like we tried to pick out uh, a bad episode. This isn't like the equivalent of the punk rock episode of Quincy. I think this is likely a fair representation of this show. And, and before we begin, uh, this show was, of course, produced by uh, the Quinn Martin Company. And I believe this was your first time watching a Quinn Martin show because the trade dress of the Quinn Martin production company uh, was an interesting little opening credits. And then after every commercial break, it'd say, Barnaby Jones, act one. And you found that charming. And that they did that with all their shows. Oh, that's weird. Like The Fugitive. Did you ever watch The Fugitive? Never watched The Fugitive. Fugitive is very similar to The Incredible Hulk, only uh, without uh, Lou Ferrigno. Did you ever watch The Incredible Hulk? No. Trying desperately to talk about anything other than this episode. <laughs> trying to get out of... I have, I have a full day of work ahead, and if I nod off... <sighs> we were both Barnaby Jones virgins going into this, and I don't think we were ready for what we saw. Because we've also... One thing that the audience should note, Buddy Ibsen... That's his name, right? Buddy Ibsen. Buddy Ibsen. 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 Like, <laughs> a doll's <laughs> house. <laughs> a hillbilly doll's house. Um, He... He, you know, he's in the famously in the Beverly Hillbillies. We've been randomly watching a lot of Beverly Hillbillies episodes recently. And of course, you're also a big fan of his work in the old uh, Davy Crockett Disney show. You remember we watched the Davy Crockett show, and I said, "My God, Anya, that's Buddy Epson, TV's Jed Clampett." And who, you said, "What? Who does he play?" He played one of Davy's friends. <laughs> I there think, you go, I, I, think, I think at that time you hadn't seen the Beverly Hillbillies. No, I yeah, so I probably didn't know what you were talking about. Your your elderly man references just flying over my young head. You you've kind of married your own personal Barnaby Jones. Oh Jesus Christ! I just you're an old guy who just drags me around on boring adventures <laughs> all day. What have I done? Isn't that kind of the story of our lives? No, you don't. You're not old. You're not. It, he this this show is glacially paced, guys. And honestly, I I kept flipping back on at points. I would find it just kind of oddly charming. I was like, this is kind of relaxing. And other times, I was like, come on, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> it has such a really shockingly relaxed vibe. <laughs> like there'll be a gum battle, 
but you'll almost feel like it has the energy of like somebody trying to return a book to the library. It's like it's not nothing's matching up with what's happening on the screen. It's like the famous SCTV Perry Como sketch. Yeah, it's the Perry Como sketch from SCTV. All these all these dancers dancing around very energetically and him singing all these high energy disco songs, but he's just lying in bed and <laughs> La, la, la. That's basically this. And this was a show in its early days. Uh, what was it like by, like, season seven or eight? See, I, I first assumed this was a later season because I, I, I thought we made a mistake because we read that uh, the, the main character, you know, the, the main the star basically didn't want to do it anymore. Because, yeah, we consulted the Barnaby Jones scrolls. We take <laughs> our work very seriously. <laughs> the Barnaby Jones scrolls. He was almost the Tin Man. That's the other thing, right? Yeah, but they had an allergic reaction. All the paint. Yeah, there you go. It's 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 like we we not only decided to watch Barnaby Jones, but we put thought into it. Did a bit of Barnaby <laughs> Jones sad. research. This is our life. When you say Jed Clampett's gonna be a detective in Hollywood or wherever L.A., I don't even know where he is. Yeah, so where I think it's L.A., but like because. You say Jed Clamp is going to be a private eye. That sounds like it could be fun, because he brings kind of a fun, kind of, kind of chill hillbilly energy to the Beverly Hillbillies. He's kind of the chill. So were you guy. hoping for like a McLeod sort of vibe? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know because I don't know what that means. Was it McLeod like a a Texas guy who got transplanted to the big city? Solve crimes there. I, I, I'm not saying that would have been good. I'm just saying I think I was a... Dennis Weaver, this, Radio's Chester. This feels like you. they woke up Barnaby Jones right before every episode and, like, he just kind of is there and kind of like, oh, okay. Like, like you're not really... He's not, like, he's not, like, really invested or, like, in it. You know what I mean? He just kind of is floating above everything in a weird way. There's not a lot of charisma to this character. <laughs> is what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Jesus, you know. But like I, again, I, I, I didn't feel that was the case with this actor in Beverly Hillbillies. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't like he's just, you know, he's he's funny in that. There's like it's a it's a silly show. There's as you said many times. There's one joke in the show. Ha ha. These hillbillies don't know what they're doing, but they're also gonna show those city slickers a thing or two. So I mean. But, like, in that, like, everyone's kind of energetic. It's just kind of a silly sitcom. It's pretty fun. You know, there's a fun energy to it. This is just not that at all. It's just, just a snooze. <laughs> One thing we did like, though, was the, the setup for the murder mystery in this. Yeah, I remember you saying this is a pretty clever way to commit a murder as you were taking notes and, like, looking at me. And I, I remember a certain Mr. Kevin Greenlee Esquire chiming in, oh, yeah, this is really good. Gee, Ani. <laughs> Gee, Willikers, Anya. I think it's a great idea. I thought it was a fun, like, murder. I, I never said that. Yeah, you did. And you, like, clicked your heels. It was really embarrassing. I had to get you to settle down afterwards. But it's, like, a, a fancy executive goes flying in his plane. And then a person behind is is sitting behind him, unbeknownst to him, clobbers him in the head, killing him, and then uh, parachutes out of the plane before it crashes, making it look like a, a an accident. So I thought that was pretty clever. I don't know. I, I didn't think that was a dumb. But but hold on to your hats. Uh, the person makes 
you know, in Columbo, there's always a little tiny slip that only Columbo picks up on. In this one, the fatal little slip that only Barnaby Jones was canny enough to pick up on was that they left their parachute in a tree. Yeah, it's like a pretty big, pretty big slip up. And, and, you know, Barnaby Jones just grabs a stick and touches the parachute and it comes down immediately. No fuss, no muss. So why do you suppose, uh, Miss Kane, that our erstwhile killer did not take that basic step after concocting such a clever little plan? That's a great question. They got overconfident, maybe? I don't they know. They literally left the parachute in the tree. And Barnaby Jones is literally the only person to notice. The parachute was, had a, a silkscreen printing saying, I'm the murderer on it. Yeah, it seems like an oversight. I, I also don't... I Having this be the first episode we watched, I don't understand, is he typically getting hired by corporations to look into things like this? He's hired by this corporation, I think, and... and the hiring scene was oddly disturbing. Do you want to d discuss that scene? Yeah, it's him and this guy in a robe. It's Barnaby Jones in his little white suit and a guy in just a bathrobe sitting in front of a pool listening to a tape recorder, both looking very disturbed. So that's how we're introduced. And they just assume we already know everything we need to know about Barnaby Jones, but apparently through uh, our reading of the Barnaby Jones volumes, uh, Barnaby Jones was a private detective. <laughs> he retires at the appropriate age you'd expect him to retire. <laughs> His son, who is married to uh, Lee Merriweather, one of uh, TV's cat women, I guess actually one of film's cat women. <laughs> uh, and early on in his career, he's killed, at which point Barnaby Jones says, well, Obviously, this is a dangerous profession. Even a, a capable young man gets killed. I'll go back to it. Well, obviously, his son didn't do a great job. Yeah. Take over the family business. Get killed immediately. So, like, like if, if, if I said, Anya, I'm going to go run an ice cream stand. And my first day, I get killed. Are you going to say, well, you know what? That ice cream stand business sounds pretty good. I want to stay in that. I'm going to say, why am I not surprised? <laughs> Kevin's Creamery. Oh, let's take that out. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> That's one of those things you regret immediately after saying it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Such a headache. And I'm making myself crack up. Jesus. You Christ. blushed really hard when I said that. You didn't want your ice cream stand to be called that. No. What would you call it? Greenlee's goodies? Oh god! That sounds somehow worse. I think the lesson is that you're not allowed to open any ice cream stands. What would you call yours? Cane's cones. <laughs> uh, so he gets back into the game. 
and he takes this job the, 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 this old man in a robe talking to Barnum. He says, yeah, this this plane went down. They say it was an accident. I bet it was murder. I'm hiring you. Yeah, that guy seemed like some creepy Hollywood producer or something. It was just, I don't know. That whole thing was off-putting. So they want to figure out if this executive was murdered. And then they, they he talks to you and he finds out a bu- whole bunch of the people who work there are into parachuting or some shit or planes. And and I felt the scene where he's trying to talk to people about that is like me trying to interact with other people because I'm really awkward. And he's just like, wow, tell me more about this neat thing called parachuting. Just so wait a minute. When you, you go parachuting, like a bunch of you jump out of the plane together and hold hands? Wow. Wow, that sounds like fun. I'd like... I'd like to see that. Don't be surprised if you see me on the green next time. I mean, oh, God, it's so awkward, but relatable. <laughs> and after that scene, uh, uh, somebody gets a phone call, and they said, oh, Barnaby Jones is getting too close. Uh, you got to kill him. Okay, too close by, like, making polite small talk and starting the job. I mean, he's not, he's not made any headway at all. And if you're threatened by, like, an elderly detective who's just barely getting the job done, you've got trouble. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because you, you know if you then kill him, that's going to confirm everybody's suspicions that it was murder, and you're just going to hire a younger man. I, why are you making it a weird ageist thing, first of all? And second of all, and second of all, yeah, I agree. I, I think you if you if you start killing the detectives... You know, that's pretty much a surefire way of letting, like, the police know that something's up. So it just seems... It just seems stupid. What are you doing? Seems ridiculous. Uh, so this leads to... The uh, best scene in the whole thing. Which is the gun battle. <laughs> the, the in the epic, parking garage. The, which sounds like, you see, car, car garage, parking garage gun battle? Wow! Sign me up. Pretty fancy. Pretty exciting. Dark, dingy things. Cars. People hiding behind cars. Shootouts. People scuffling in the dark. Well, there's a lot of scuffling, but not a lot of all the other stuff I mentioned. There's just lots of sound of loud footsteps. (laughs) Shots of, like, Barnaby looking confused. (laughs) like he's trying to find his car that he can't remember where he parked as opposed to anything else the the footsteps i don't want to i don't want to underestimate i don't want to over okay these things it sounds like it sounds like basically like somebody stomping around it doesn't sound almost like it's even on concrete or anything like that it doesn't sound like and it's much louder than feels like anything else in the scene even the bullets and it's like what is going some insane foley artist has taken over and is just scrambling here and ironically one of the one of the skydiving hippies is also named foley so we were like wow it's all connected (laughs) just like in a (laughs) wake oh my god Except for the, if you tend wakes, are they kind of joyish affairs? Oh, I, I meant like Awake, the oh. show we previously reviewed about a detective who pieces together stupid clues based on his dreams. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. 
There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So anyway, it's just, I mean, it's just this kind of boring, you know, it, it there's like three people, executives, who could have done it. One's like this hard drinking executive who gives this whole whiny speech about. I mean, I'm 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 like I'm not saying like he gives this whole ranting speech about drinking and being addicted to alcohol, and it comes out of nowhere. And I think you said, is this guy trying to win an Emmy or something? Like, but why? You know, this is like a one man show all of a sudden. He's like, yeah, I drink, I drink to numb the pain. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> who is this man and where does he come from so he's specific number one and then there's a lady who's having an affair with the executive and then there's a really sinister research executive and so they're all was the- he the guy from uh he was from, from one of those shows oh wow that narrows it down was he uh the guy from, was it six million dollar man i don't know well I, I i think we need to go to the imdb poll Yes, you love it. You love my knowledge of uh, trivia that gets me nowhere and is about 70 shows that I don't even remember. But yes, <laughs> th- that guy was portrayed by Richard Anderson, who, of course, uh, I remember is Oscar Goldman from The Six Million Dollar Man. So you know Oscar's not going to be the killer. Who's Oscar? Oscar Goldman from The Six Million Dollar Man. What's his whole deal? He is a character on the show, The Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, isn't he, was he the guy that, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Hey. None of this matters. Hey. I'm, I'm suddenly having an existential crisis. Why are we spending our lives doing a podcast no one listens to about a show no one will ever watch? What? Why did we watch Barnaby Jones? Did, did you think it sounded fun? Because I did. I thought it sounded like it could be at least a little bit silly fun. You've really been enjoying the Beverly Hillbillies. I said, gosh, Anya, did you know uh, the guy who plays Jed Clampett had his own 70s detective series? Your eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> he said, let's add that to the list. And we did. I I am in the moment watching it. I actually could see liking it. Like if you're kind of just like a chill person and you're like you're just having a lazy Sunday and just kind of watching a bunch of these, being somewhat soothing. 
But I think I need a little bit more pep to the shows I watch. I remember like a few minutes into it, I leaned over to you and I said, I can't decide if this is charming or dull. Yeah, it's not without its charms. You could see, I could see there being like a couple of good episodes, you know what I mean? Like, like good episodes here and there where maybe they punch it up a little bit and it feels a little bit more urgent. So it's, you know, a better balance. But if this is an indicator of what the episodes are typically like, I'm sure those are far and few between. You say punch it up. Th- this show, there were two scenes in which Barnaby is nearly killed. That's action. That's action, baby. Because the second scene is something I, I really want to call attention to. <laughs> he, I guess he's at some construction site or something. And some sort of uh, electrical wire or stuff falls and nearly hits Mr. Jones, killing him. And he, he it misses him and he looks up and he sees Richard Anderson, TV's Oscar Goldman, standing up above looking menacingly down at him. And so then at the very end of the episode, after Richard Anderson, TV's Oscar Goldman, has been completely exonerated of all charges, he says, gosh, remember that time when that wire uh, fell on me? Was that an accident or were you trying to kill me? And he says, well, gosh, it was an accident. And Barnaby laughs. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Hot sparking action. But yeah, even that, he doesn't really react to things in a way where he's like, oh shit, I almost just got killed. Or, But he's also not like unruffled, you know, like, oh, I don't give a shit. I just got almost got killed. You know, he's just kind of, it's kind of a weird combination of kind of like barely reacting to something. Like, oh, huh? But you, not in a funny you, way. You have seemed more stressed watching me cross the street. Then Barnaby is nearly getting killed twice. In fairness, people don't know how you cross streets. You're reckless. Foolish. You're just always waiting for lights and stuff. And who has the time in today's workaday world? Christ. Uh, one thing you did like about this series, or at least this episode, was uh, something that you kept complimenting. You kept going back to. You kept singing the praises of the score. The music. Yeah. The music was oddly charming. It it was like listening to your great grandfather's jazz. Like if your great grandfather is still alive, and he remembers he used to like jazz, and he goes out and he buys a jazz record, done just for him. You, I think, summed it up as saying your granddad thinks it's cool, but it's not. But that almost makes it cool. <laughs> go, go, it flips back and forth. Uh, and and yeah, as we mentioned, this all comes. You know, this all comes to a head in an airplane because Barnaby basically his plan is, well, I don't have any evidence and I don't really have, you know, much by way of figuring out who did this. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a big announcement at the company saying I want the company plane so I can take my company briefcase full of special company documents to look at the company research facility and talk to the police. And so and it's actually a specially rigged, like, jack-in-the-box briefcase. So if somebody opens it, they're... <laughs> well, some- yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. But, of course, the murderer does the same thing they did to the executives. They sneak onto the airplane. Maybe just check your fucking airplanes before it goes up, right? Yeah. And then they hold the research guy, the Barnaby Jones, and the pilot at gunpoint, and it's the lady. It's the lady executive who had an affair with the man she killed. And uh, she's holding them at gunpoint. And then why don't you tell everybody what's in the suitcase when she when she gets it? Yeah, it doesn't 
there's nothing about this that works. A big parachute bounces out. Yeah. And distracts her long enough for the good guys to get the upper hand. And then he tells her, well, we didn't have any evidence on you. But now we do. Gotcha. gotcha. You've been Barnabied. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, this was very boring. I didn't hate it while I was watching it, but talking about it makes you realize, wow, it really was a snooze. It was. There, there, it was. It was. Uh, there was nothing redeeming uh, about it. Yeah, and it's like we like the main actor, so it's not like, like it's we've seen him in things where he seems to be having fun, or you know, the audience is having fun, but this wasn't one of them. Nobody had fun here. But somebody, people always say the 70s were a wild, crazy time. But people watched this in the 70s. People just wanted to relax maybe after all the wild and crazy times. I'd say in fairness, I think for people who don't mind a slower pace and maybe are looking for more of that, it could be a good option. It could have, I think it has its charms. They're in there. But I just don't, um, I don't feel like they're really tapped into it's like we're looking at them underneath the ice in the pond you know it's like they're there but the, the cement pond the cement pond <laughs> so would you like would it be like granny oh my god has her own detective agency yes and she's the one giving assignments yes and telling people what to do kind of a nero wolf sort of thing yeah and her operatives are jethro and uh ellie what's what's jed doing in that is is he after this, I think Jed, he's had his chance. He's the one who's constantly getting, yeah, he's. We, he's 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 not involved. He's, he died. They're avenging him with this detective agency. And, and like, the, is it a lot of, like, bank stuff with, like. Uh, Mr. Drysdale. Mr. Drysdale and everything. It's glamorous Los Angeles crime. If you're For doing. Hillbilly style. If you're doing a show set in Los Angeles, maybe try to do something with the setting. I agree, and and just you know, liven it up, you know, just just spice it up. Need some spice with this. That's my take. So you wanted it to be spicier. You want to see uh, some hot Barnaby Jones uh, like love interest? No, I don't want that. That's not what spicy means. It just like have it more exciting. There were two. There was a gun battle. Kevin. There was that a piece of of something falls. Kevin, just because it's a gun battle doesn't mean it's a good and exciting gun battle. I was shocked by how boring that gun battle was. It was hilarious. It was actually kind of oddly charming and hilarious, but it was it was pretty bad. He gets out of his car. There's walking around. There's shots fired. He gets back in his car. He drives away. <laughs> Just an average day. And what, it was it was like several minutes. It went on forever. So, any final thoughts on? Are you jonesing to say anything else? Uh, I regret watching this. <laughs> I'll say, watch out. I'll say, come and listen to my story about a PI named Barnaby. A dull investigator barely kept his audience pleased. <laughs> thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram 
And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at Mystery to Me Podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.